Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsburst.ie. And together we are Raw Pet Medics. <laughs> Happy days are here again. We are Raw Pet Medics. We have Dr. Connor Brady. We have Dr. Brendan Clark and my good self, Dr. Nick Thompson. And we are the Raw Pet Medics. And we're going to be talking about vitamin D. And we've just been discussing it for about eight minutes before. And we've just discovered we've got enough for three whole shows. We're very excited to be on this evening. And Jenny Meredith has beaten Rach Mack to. I know. We, we just should post. do a show on that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, Jenny! Congrats! <laughs> Rach, good, good try. try. Try again. Try harder <laughs> next time, please. Uh, greetings to all our, our, our friends in the United States. Greetings to everybody who's listening to this on a podcast. Greetings, very many greetings to our Patreon supporters you can reach us on patreon on what is it patreon forward slash raw pet medics patreon.com forward slash raw pet medics come along join us if you can contribute a small amount every month we put that all together and it helps us with our paying our social media people paying pete the podcast guy um and for us to get all the uh, infrastructure organized so Thank you very much to everybody. And, and thank for you for that. all the feedback about the podcast, you know, available on everything from your iPhones uh, through to Amazon and uh, Spotify. Great that you're following us. Thanks for the feedback from our question last week as to you find it useful. Loads of people are enjoying it whilst out on their dog walks, listening to us, sometimes listening to us again. Uh, uh, thank you for listening to us again, again. Uh, and I would just uh, say, um, what's wrong with you, know, you? That's the only thing that's boosting us up. Michelle, <laughs> yeah, Michelle has uh, Michelle has observed something. I'm just after observing, which is Nick. You're going for the facial hair. I think it suits you, Nick. You look well. You like it? Uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah. Joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I, I went went to a silver wedding anniversary. Can Can you believe it? One of my friends has been married 25 years. One of the guys. In fact, two of the guys, one of the girls, one of the boys who I was at college with, they've been married 25 years. And so all the old codgers, there was about six of us, all with bad knees except me. Because they've got plenty of vitamin D, plenty of vitamin D on interesting. board. Yeah, they all had bad knees. And I was like, yay, I've got bad, I haven't got bad knees and I've got hair. Nice. You're all over it, Nick. I am. I am. See you you celebrating. Well, I wish we could say it's all down to Uh, raw food because me and Connor are unfortunate. Sorry, guys. Sorry I mentioned such a thing. Yes, I'm sure. um, Yeah, some of us are richer in our testosterone than others. It's fine. I put up a post there on... um, I put up a post there during the week. I saw a great uh, bit by Professor Huberman. Do you know that guy? He's the uh, neurobiology Mm. professor dude on YouTube and he just gives cracking tips. Um, and he was one of them was in relation to this vitamin D bit here. He was saying how important it is to walk your dog first thing in the morning. Get out there in the first hour of waking up 
and let the sunlight hit your eyes. So as opposed to making vitamin D and everything else, uh, they're saying that the sunlight triggers cells in the eyes and in hypothalamus in the brain and releases your wake-up signals uh, for a 16-hour kind of cycle. And melatonin is released and dopamine, and that's your precursor to adrenaline. I never knew dopamine was a precursor to adrenaline. Sure. Pineal gland gets stimulated. By it is pineal sunlight. gland, which is just here. Yeah. Wow. Said, that's why you feel more energetic on a sunny day. So even aside vitamin D. Mm. So I was looking at that thinking, my God, is like sunlight is just absolutely amazing. It's amazing how much we need it and how topical that is for tonight. Because when it comes to vitamin D, it's the thing that we can make ourselves like a little, like a little, uh, what are we, like a little factory for vitamin D. So it must be really, really important if we need to make it. That's what I think. The vitamins that you retain and the nutrients that you can make yourself are, um, you know, really, really important. And so we make huge amounts of it. Does anybody know how much in international units the UK uh, government recommends you take 400 international units of vitamin D a day? Didn't recommend that during COVID, mind you. But uh, Below, below a certain age. Above a certain age. It oh, good. Up. Oh, now know? this is because this is relevant. But at the moment, that, let's just take this 400 international units to give people okay. a, an idea of where we are. But guess how much vitamin d you make out walking around walking your dog in the day how much much vitamin d does your skin make every day on a sunny day you need 2000 more by a factor of 10 you make twenty-five thousand international units of vitamin d every day that is very interesting because many of the government recommendations in the uk are not for optimal health vitamin c for example it's not for optimal health. It is in, it just in order to prevent deficiency disease. So if we look at vitamin C, because people are more familiar with vitamin C than with vitamin D, the, uh, the, the recommendation in the UK is about 60 milligrams per day. And that will stop you getting scurvy if you go on for long enough. But most, most nutritionists worth their salt will be recommending 500 or more. So again, this factor of 10 is coming in. Now, I've, I've just read some, uh, some stuff which says, uh, however, with regard to dogs, do you know what the recommendation for, for dogs is, gentlemen? Ooh. Um, oh, I should have had that. No, I don't know, but I'm going to look okay. it up before I even say it. Okay. In Fediaf. Yeah. Yeah, anything. Anything. What is the science that dictates how much we recommend to have? That's a different question. The science behind it is <laughs> Sorry, that, that was my image of the science that recommendations of what we have is. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Today, I think we should dictate that everybody takes a minimum of 800 milli milligrams or, sorry, international units. There's a difference between milligrams and international. 125 for dogs, um, Nick. Per 125. Per, okay. Per I've, I've, kilograms, of food. I've got a study here that says the reason. Oh gosh, no. Uh, it's basically no, no. That's to do with giant dogs, which is a whole other story, and I can't actually find my reference. But oh, here you go. Few studies have investigated vitamin D requirements for dogs and cats. And all these studies were performed in puppies and kittens since the demand for skeletal calcification is higher at this stage of life. And growing animals are more sensitive to the effect of vitamin D deficient diet. 
as there are no studies that investigated vitamin D requirements for adult dogs and cats, as well as for breeding females, the recommendations are based on studies of growing animals. So therefore, remarkably, there are no guidelines based on adult dogs and cats for the required intake of vitamin D. Ooh, I'm not surprised. Isn't that, that, is, isn't that lovely? Isn't that? Well, it's not lovely. It's just, um, and it's if you look the, at the recommendations between the NRC, FEDIAF, and AFCO, there is a what an 800. Uh, there are the, 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 the difference between the minimum and the maximum is 800. And I looked at another study just here, which was talking about. Uh, feeding dogs. They did a study. Hang on, let me grab this for one second. They did a study with 320 dogs testing for serum uh, vitamin D concentrations. And those that were fed commercial diets were between 47 and 100 nanograms per milliliter in the blood. Okay. Those on uh, homemade diets were between 9.5 and 129 milligram nanograms per milliliter. The, the recommended, wherever they get that, I don't know, is about a minimum of 100 nanograms per milliliter. Therefore, the, the, uh, of the 320, 292 were fed commercial uh, kibble diets, and none of them reach the baseline of but it said complete and balanced on the front of the packet when i bought it oh <laughs> yes well that's open to interpretation obviously they have they, is, they, uh, they absolutely proved that they've and, proved and, that like, ben, ben, i'm going to ask you to give us a little lowdown of what vitamin d does but just to, to echo on what nick says about the deficiency in humans we are all terribly deficient in vitamin d and yeah. it's this um, whereabouts you lie on the globe is quite important. Anything above this 35th parallel, which is, you know, really a little bit the bottom of France and up, essentially. Uh, but uh, you would expect to be vitamin D deficient in wintertime. Even if you walk around in the nip, you just won't get enough sunlight to make enough to stop your vitamin D levels falling from autumn. So it's when you people, a lot of uh, really top top epidemiologists would say there isn't cold and flu season, there's a vitamin D deficiency season. And yeah. so taking vitamin D supplements is what stops, it doesn't, it's not that it boosts your vitamin D back up, they're not shown to do that, but they stop you losing your vitamin D. And vitamin D, as Brent's going to start giving us a little bit about what it does and where, you know, but we are all terribly deficient. 70 to 80% of Americans are vitamin D deficient. 90% of old people in, in care homes because they don't get out and make their own and what sort of food are you eating. 80% of all hospitalized patients, 96% of all ICU patients. It's just a really common thing that when your immune system is taken with battering, so is your vitamin D. And so you need to supplement harshly. As we saw with COVID, it was one of the things that, they, that was working for, for ICU patients. Uh, Brent, can you tell us what is vitamin D? Give us, like, what is it and uh, what's it do? In dogs, because there's well, a big difference between in dogs and ah, humans. Give us the difference, humans, yeah. Humans... There humans is. synthesize it themselves, so therefore, technically, it's not a vitamin. Vitamin is uh, is an external uh, chemical that you need to ingest in order to be healthy, like vitamin C in humans, for example. Oh, you're out on that, Nick. 
they they synthesize it themselves is not quite true. They um, will convert from D2, but I my understanding of this synthesizing yourself mm-hmm. is not necessarily the actual body because we know that bacteria within the gut synthesize the vitamin no, D. No, you and I, so, you and I synthesize so vitamin just D3 from sunlight on our skin. As you and, and as you were saying cattle from, do that as well. From a precursor. From a precursor. From a okay. precursor. So vitamin D is synthesized in the body one way or another it's converted so my understanding so you need to go back and check that while i'm talking okay. because d2 to d3 is the conversion with sunlight so that's the important bit as far as my understanding so just and check the that absorption of d2 so, from plants is about four percent so there's not an all you don't get a lot from plant plant-based uh, problems and this is relevant to dogs in that there are there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, dogs who are on on vegan dog food, and I'm just thinking, where are they getting D3 from? Well, they're supplementers. The, all pet foods, all kibbles are supplemented with D3 dolichocephalol. So that's D3 going into the diet, as Hills demonstrated terribly recently, uh, which we'll get to later. So they all get D3 in their diet from uh, conical flask. If you where, think that's where does D3 is is yeah. that from a from plant source or is that from a from a, but D2 uh, is the plant source one, but D3, they can synthesize it in the lab. And just from two, D2 to D3? I'm not sure how they make D3 in the lab, but it's put yeah. in in D3 form, so the dogs it's can It's converted through an enzyme pathway. So I think okay. the other thing is that we know that for um, our carnivores and ourselves, we've got foods which are rich in D3, mm. which is liver. Um, we've got various um, fermented foods. So bacteria do... Ah. Uh, create D3. So um, you might find it in certain beans and things like that, D2, but with fermenting uh, with bacteria, it's converted into D3. Um, so there's some really horrible fermented soya bean salad thing, which is, uh, oh, in fact, actually, no, there's another bean. I think it's natu natu or something like that, which tastes a bit like musty old beet. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty grim, uh, but uh, that's that's a bit D three sort of supplement. There is eggs and dairy, again passed through from uh, the the mums, the, the milking um, uh, cows, which are particularly if they're fed grass, so if mm. they're out at pasture mm. and they're fermenting grass, cause the E. coli bacteria that are known to convert this uh, vitamin. Uh, from D2 to D3 uh, are particularly prevalent. So these are the non-pathogenic E. coli uh, that are normally found in the gut. So really important to look at um, there. And I would say that the um, importance for calcium regulation within the bloodstream, um, you know, what that has uh, for depositing then into the bones. We're going to do a whole other live on K2, which is not the mountain, uh, but it is a um, another vitamin. Uh, unlike K1, which is all thought about with clotting factors, etc., K2 actually co-stimulates the uptake of calcium from the bloodstream into the um, bone. So it's actually a good supplement if you've got 
the vitamin D3 overdoses uh, just to try and escape from the hypercalcemia that could um, uh, ensue. I'm uh, not going to go much further than that. Uh, so the uh, so having fish oils as well. So there's certain fish that uh, are a great source of that. So alongside the um, essential fatty acids, you know the omega threes. You know fish oils can be great for your D three uptake. So anything that's uh, from a meat and other animal is a great source of naturally occurring D three. Um, pork apparently is another one that has a great level of vit D3, mm. obviously lesser hair, especially if it's outdoor reared, is going to be much higher in yeah. vitamin D3 than otherwise pork uh, is fine. So having it in meat is a great option. Pork is double, pork can contain. It's a massive variation which we'll get to in a while, in a while depending on how the animal's reared and whatnot. But pork can contain twice the amount of vitamin D3 uh, as beef. Uh, lamb can contain veal, which is... Is veal a very young cow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, veal is really high. It's twice the amount of pork, can contain twice the amount of pork, and lamb can contain the most when it's killed in, in certain situations. In relation to vit- vitamin D and what it does, and Brian was saying about like it maintains a blood calcium and phosphates within this narrow range in your blood. And so it's really important for that. So it's important for a healthy skeleton and muscle contractions and immune function. It's really important in immune function. Hence, when you drop down in D3, you're more susceptible to um, coronaviruses and, and, and things in wintertime and bugs and colds and whatnot, but also all sorts of immune issues. So vitamin D is really, really important, but in the, it became really famous or it, because of rickets, really, in the 1600s. Uh, they, they first came up with this kind of name for this soft bone malformation in particularly young kids, but it happens in older uh, in adults in osteomalacia what's the what's the, the softening of the bones and osteomalacia thank you and so um so this is in the 1600s but they didn't actually realize what it was until about the maybe early 1900s so they pinned it on sunlight and whatnot in the 1600s but it was particularly prevalent in england in the 17 and 1800s this is why when charles dickens was writing uh scrooge uh you know what's his name tiny tim that mm-hmm. tiny Tim was most likely in that situation because it would have been an awful lot of kids around. Do you know why there was lots of rickets around in England in the 1700s and 1800s? Because they didn't get out of doors very much. No, not enough sunlight. <laughs> not enough sunlight is correct, but there's a reason. There's a reason not enough sunlight because... Factories. They were, that's correct. Small. Very good. The Industrial Revolution was kicking off. And yeah. so everybody moved from the country into the cities and it was filthy and there was so much smog they never got any sun. So the kids were often working indoors and uh, they never would have seen the sunlight when they're out. So this would have been very prevalent. And it was only until the 1900s that they started pinning it on oh, with a lack of vitamin D. So the rickets and bone issues, as Brian was saying, calcium and bone issues, it's really, really important to have enough vitamin D in the diet. Uh, and people run around then and start trying to supplement with foods and should I have enough? But if you're eating a, a healthy, fresh, diet that's varied in all these animal ingredients that raw, that raw, raw fed dogs or cooked doesn't you know lightly cooked because the more you cook the less the more vitamin d you lose um then you're you have oodles oodles and oodles of vitamin d but dogs can't make it themselves so it is important it's in their diet but the diets that we feed dogs are very high in d3 so it's not something we on this side of the fence are going to be lacking but in dry pet food notoriously iffy which we can come back to in a little while but uh yeah the thing that I think, if we look at the big picture, there is this 
phenomenon that most of us are low in vitamin D. Therefore, all of us, everybody listening, everybody, uh, you know, all of us and our dogs require vitamin D. And for dogs, it's, you know, the, the easiest way is grass-fed uh, liver and um, cod liver oil and fish oil and what have you. The thing is, so everybody knows most of us are too low. The other thing about vitamin D, because it's a vast, vast fat-soluble vitamin, is that people are scared about hypervitaminosis D. That is too much vitamin because you store it, okay? So if you took loads of cod liver oil for months and months and years and years, you might get hypervitaminosis D. But there's a study here by Mellonby in 2005 which says, until now, cases of hypervitamin—that's too much—vitamin D are apparently rare and experimentally induced. So, in order to get hyper hypervitaminosis D, you've got to do a lot of work in the wrong direction, taking too much hypervitamin D. So, don't be too worried about too much D. It is possible, but you've really got to go wrong a lot for a very long time. Be more worried about not enough vitamin d yeah that's so you, you need your grass-fed liver your cod, cod liver oil your butter your egg yolks Eggs that, and that's that's egg, where you get it from so even be, even the vegetarians get your butter get your get your eggs not just egg yolks eggs come with the albumin the, the egg white and so that's really really important yeah the uh, and maybe it's how they deliver the d3 as well because as with most nutrients how like conical flask versions of those nutrients like, you know, this is essentially a steroid, really, D3, isn't it? It's more of a steroid than anything else. Pre-steroid, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, it's an amazingly complex compound. They find one little bit of it, and they can replicate that bit in the lab, like they did with vitamin E for a while, and then they've got a little bit more of vitamin E. But they don't have the whole compound by a large stretch. Mm. And so how you deliver that nutrient, the body does not like it delivered in chemical forms. You know, it's like iodide, which is, you know, every day selling iodine. I'm sorry to go on about it all the time. But, you know, how much iodine is in your seaweed? And it's like, have you ever heard of anybody laid out with iodine from seaweed? The Japanese eat massive, like, multiples of their RDA of iodine every day. And they seem to be extremely healthy as a result of it. If anything, the longevity of these fish and coastal communities is, is excellent. So, like, it's, it's, it's because when it's iodide is delivered on its own, it really smacks the thyroid and the, the body doesn't like it. And I bet you that's the same with the D3 studies as well. They're doing tests on dogs in cages using D3 that they formulated. It's just ridiculous. It's not like we fed them huge amounts of something high in D. The only thing that you might feed a lot of, you know, kidney is actually probably a higher source of vitamin D than liver. But when you feed large amounts of liver, it's not so much the vitamin D that's going to be laying out your dog. You'd have to feed furious amounts of liver. It's all the other stuff that comes with liver and copper and selenium. It's a high potent and yes, of vitamin D. But as Nick was saying, it's probably not a whole lot of examples of dogs being um, supplemented with too much vitamin D. That comes from dried pet food. Uh, you know, Hills Pet Food, 2016, people have already been saying it on the side there. Mm. World's biggest recall. Hills Pet Food is like the, apparently the top dry pet food, because otherwise why would the veterinary industry be recommending it? That, that factory let 22 million cans of dog food out the door without checking the nutrient content of a single one of them. And so when they say 100% complete and balanced, says who? Some, some dude filling in an Excel spreadsheet at the front end of the machine. They buy in their vitamin mixes. They pop it into the food. They never check it. They just assume somebody else has. Out the door it goes, 22 million cans, and it happened again. Like, that's how, much, that's how careful they are with the vitamin D. They put in large amounts of vitamin D in a total of, 
has sephirol. Oh, um, uh, they put that into the food, but they put in a lot of it because, you know, extrusion cooking destroys 50% of it. But if you don't get that right, and a lot of that comes out the other end, you're going to get dogs getting laid out because it, it will smack you. It's not the right type of vitamin D, as Nick was saying. It's supplement of vitamin D. So um, it's, it's happened a few times. Royal Cannon killed a few dogs in the late 1990s. There was 25 dogs killed in the 2000s because of too much of this um, hypervitaminosis. Never, you won't get that from Royal Dog Food Companies. They don't kill dogs that way, you know. So, yeah, the hypervitaminosis is an interesting one, but not a complete Royal Dog Food issue. What do you reckon was behind that mistake? Do you reckon that somebody thought they were putting D2 in that was less absorbed no. and accidentally put in D3? No. Or do you think that they um, just had an error, total error in what was being put in and they weren't monitoring it? What, what's your thought? I've heard from an inside source that it was just mm. the guy who was in charge of the vitamin D put in a whole bag into the mixer instead of a tenth of a bag. That's what I've heard. And I'm not going to divulge my sources. Yeah. Mm. So it was just it was just human error. That's that's yeah. it. And and human error happens all the time. And how do you protect from human error? The answer is you keep on checking the end result before it goes out to the consumer yeah, to, right so that you've got, you've got that, that quality control. Yeah. So, uh, so the second thing is, that, you know, for me as well, that, you know, what Connor was saying about, oh, well, it's not absorbed as well as the chemical makeup. I think it's just the fact that all of those products I mentioned earlier will naturally have a lot of the co-factors which help you know, the body with coping with the vitamin D3. Ah. So you'll have K2 mm. in K2. Okay, right. You'll have vitamin A. often the omega-3s and things like mm. that. And they'll have the vitamin A mm. that's included in those products. And that actually helps the body oh, okay. moderate how it's used, how it's absorbed, what the end result is as far as the calcium phosphorus ratios, you know, all of that, what the influences on the other hormones are, like the parathyroid hormone. Uh, you know, those are important parts of the pathway. Yeah, Which is sense. another reason to feed food, not, not yeah. you know, food synthetics like kibble, okay? Food is there for a reason. It's called food, not kibble. And I think that's really, really important. Just before we get too late in the show, guys, I just wanted to, to, to break some of, the, some of the studies that I've, I've seen. And number one is that, the presence of vitamin D receptors in human immune, immune cells was discovered. Research on, on their unrelated effect on bone metabolism of vitamin D intensified it, and it was discovered that cells in almost all body tissues express vitamin D receptors. As a result of that, that revelation, I don't think it should be too much of a revelation to, to, to most of us, it has been shown that vitamin D lack of can be influential in cancer, in congestive heart failure, gastrointestinal disease, infectious disease, as per certain viruses that we've been dealing with for the last uh, three years. And in a study with hospitalized dogs in a critical condition, it was observed that Vitamin D concentrations at the time of diagnosis was a predictor of the mortality rate for dogs with chronic enteropathy, chronic gut disease. So if you go into if your dog goes into the hospital with bad gut disease and they're low in vitamin D, 
just as with COVID patients, if they had low vitamin D, their outlook was much more risky than for those who went in with good because they'd been eating liver and cod liver oil and butter and yolk and what have you. And, and in addition to the, uh, so as a result, the cancers that have been associated with poor vitamin D intake include osteosarcoma, squamous cell sarcoma, which you get on kind of the tips of your ears and things like that, prostatic epithelial tumour, anal sac adenoma. Yeah, can you believe it? Your bum is, res is, is responsive to you know, bum disease is responsive to the lack of vitamin D. Can you believe it? Mammary cancer. How many times have you heard mammary cancer in dogs or, or, or women associated with vitamin D? Almost never, but it's there. It's in the literature. Mastocytoma and, and, um, and the list goes on. So cancer and vitamin D, there's a massive, massive link there. Yeah. So I think we need to be thinking much more broadly when we think of cancer. We need to be getting more vitamin D into ourselves. There's, you know, especially as it's quite difficult to overdose. I think we all need to be generous with our vitamin yeah. D. Uh, John always. Campbell there on YouTube, guys. Uh, check out his video. It's called Vit D and Prostate Cancer. Vit D Ooh, and Prostate Cancer. It. And he, he goes on about vitamin, vitamin D ever since during COVID. He was saying, guys, you know, we, yeah, we need to be yeah. taking this, but you have to be careful because you couldn't recommend things. That, and so it was funny that, like, you know, we had a oodles, oodles and oodles of really high quality evidence to show that vitamin D is effective uh, to, to keep back coronaviruses and whatnot. So it might, it might have been handy. You know, as I said before, in Ireland, when the IRA were making threats to various parts of Britain and saying we're going to hit Sellafield, we on the East Coast all got free iodine tablets in the post. And so we, I, was, you know, you know, I remember seeing them on the, in the press. We all kept them. We got free iodine tablets in the post because these things cost nothing to produce. And so, you know, of all the, uh, the advice that wasn't said to people, that, that was a real strange one. And now we have Cochrane reviews and whatnot to show that, you know, there was probably a lot of truth to it. But in relation to what Nick was saying there about the cancers, check out that video, Vitti and Prostate Cancer. This was a, um, a review a, a, a review of the RCTs that we have on vitamin D. But this particular one that came out on prostate cancer, you should have seen the effect. It was enormous. For every, now I'm going to butcher the figure, so I'm just going to pick them out of, out of, my, out of the, the air. But for every, say, 20, in, for every 20 micrograms of vitamin D that was included, there was a 10% decrease in prostate cancer in this cut. And these are thousands and thousands of people. Like, it was staggering. They said the prostate cancer is really, really high in people of color and, and black people in the States. And uh, it was so you, um, the, the darker your skin, the, the less kind of vitamin D you're going to make. And so that's a bit of a problem. So you're more likely to be vitamin D deficiency or more likely to be hit by respiratory diseases and whatnot. I'm sure there's many other factors in there, grain, all that, of course. But they said as they're adding vitamin D into, into populations of people that color the prostate cancer, it's like plummeted. The, the graph was like that. Like it was a staggering 20 minutes of, and then he goes into all the other cancers where vitamin D is pivotal. And, and then he ends with this enormous study that came out there in the last, whatever, two or three months on the on, um, effect on depression. Did you see the vitamin D study on depression? Mm -hmm. I'll share it up on Facebook page after. Seasonal affective disorder. They've now pinned it down to vitamin D, deficiency in vitamin D. And it, there's a massive, huge, impressive study to show the more vitamin D you take, the less depressed you are. Uh, and so as, a, as an antidepressant, it is, it is marvelous. And vitamin D is, is in everything. It's important for everything. You could Google bloody headaches and you'll find a vitamin D link. But the seasonal affective disorder 
very, very interesting. My mum suffers that terribly, as did my dad, you know. I think that that is fantastic because there's a lot of dogs out there. They, it, it, it may be difficult to see that they're a bit more depressed or a bit more, I don't know, aggressive or narky or, or you oh, know, right. don't touch me during the winter. But if many dogs are vitamin D deficient and many dogs have behavioral disorders, yeah. it wouldn't be crazy to just yeah. think of, you yeah, know, as, as you know, the top five things to do with all behavioral disorders, you know, plenty of plenty of raw food, plenty of liver into those or cod liver oil into those behavioral dogs. And and I would suggest you probably help 20% of that, that entire population just by looking at the vitamin D, among other things. Yeah. Interesting. Nobody ever thinks of that, you know? So just to go, because there's been quite a few questions. Okay, come on. What is the level of vitamin D that should be in the food? We've not actually uh, answered that for uh, many of the guys out there. Um, and certainly it doesn't specify D2 or D3 within the uh, Fediaf guidance. Naughty, naughty. Um, what? And no, it doesn't. This is vitamin D, so they wow. can add D2 um, wow. in there. Um, and we do see this uh, when we're monitoring output. And actually, it's also really important to ask your raw food company, are they monitoring the output, not just your complete food companies, uh, so that you know what you're giving as to whether you're supplementing or not. Now, international units, okay, rather than nanograms, just for those people that are over in the States, because it will upset them if I don't specify, mm. international units per kilogram of dry matter People will assume that this is the optimum level. It is not. Okay. So for adults, which are a slightly less amount of kilocalories per gram per hundred grams of dry matter than for puppies, um, but for adults, the amount is roughly two hundred and fifty international units per kilogram dry matter of the food. Okay, is what is the minimum levels recommended. For puppies in growth, that's 750, so a threefold increase, okay, is the minimum amount. That is not a target, guys. That is a minimum amount, okay? The maximum amount, and this is in international units per kilogram of dry matter of food, okay? So not the dose that you give your end dog unless you're giving them a kilogram of dry food, okay? Is 30,000 international units. But this, that's another example of you can't, you can't really go wrong. So get that vitamin D into them, cod liver oil, um, grass-fed yeah. liver, and what have you. Martina says here, so, no. so I thought dogs did not absorb vitamin D from sunlight. Martina, you're absolutely right. Humans do it. Brent was speaking earlier about that ruminants do it, maybe not from sunlight, maybe from bacterial degradation of D2 to D3. but uh, Dogs don't get it from the sunlight. They can only get it from diet. So plenty of D3 in the diet, guys. Yeah. I, was, uh, I, I was looking around at the, uh, at the um, vitamin D content of different beef livers, just as a, as a you know, um, I don't mean to rag on the Excel spreadsheet kind of approach, but like, you know, the USDA database, search database, USDA search database, which is where you can go and just type in your food and it spits out a figure for the amount of vitamin D in the liver in your kitchen in Wicklow, Ireland. And how could mm-hmm. they possibly know that? 
And uh, particularly, you know, so it obviously it depends on um where your cow is, you know, if he's if he's up here or if she she's up there or down there, what she's eating, how she was treated, illness during illness, your vitamin D plummets. If you're raised in a concentration camp or raised out in the pastures of Devon, I can imagine they're very different kind of vitamin D status. So, uh, but it actually was interesting. The USDA database said there was zero vitamin D in liver for years and years. I haven't since looked at it in the last three or four years. But for years, when you put in liver, it was zero. So when people were formulating raw dog food, they would be looking for where else like where they get vitamin D. It's like you've got liver and kidney in there. There's huge amounts of it. Perhaps not with stall meat. But uh, studies in Japan found that there was no vitamin D in the liver in uh, in, in some of the beef liver, some of the species of beef liver over Japan. But the range, the differences range from and uh, 0.5 to 3.4 was it, micrograms in one study, 8.6 to 7.7 uh, in another study, 140 to 2. In, in two. So like the different, different animals, different times, to say that one little spreadsheet can say that's how much vitamin D is in your liver, the, the, the figures vary, 13.3, 0.84, 4, 4.4 in Nigeria, 1.9, 22 in an Irish study. It's just the, the contents, the vitamin D contents of liver just vary all over the place. Kidney actually was higher in a lot of the studies. Could I say, this is another reason to ask, is your company testing yeah. end product? Yeah. I will tell you now, I know from testing end product, there can be a four to five fold difference between what the spreadsheets will say should be the vitamin yeah. D content that. to what the actual wow. vitamin D content wow. is. That's a four to five fold. Difference. Wow. Bloody okay. hell. Um, this, yeah, this, guys, I'm going to stop you there. Uh, yeah. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Let's jump over to Patreon and do some more oh, yeah. stuff. Vitamin yeah. D is just. Yeah, and we're uh, going to talk about eggshells. We're going to talk big, about calcium stuff as well. And, mm. you know, there was a question put to us on Patreon. So we're going to maybe talk about that involved in the vitamin D con, uh, context. Um, and I might, re- I might read out the findings of an interesting study of vitamin D used on a few people. Okay. And you want to join us? Please come over. Simply patreon.com forward slash raw pet medics. Um, for you guys listening on podcast, I hope you're enjoying the conversation and you feel that you want to join us on Patreon too. That would be brilliant just to help support us. Um, otherwise, for the rest, See you over on Patreon yeah. uh, shortly, and uh, it'd be great catching up. And uh, see you next week. Yes, indeed. See you guys. Toodaloo. See you later. Well done. <laughs>